the last few weeks, I've been kind of knocking on anime, and I felt, you know, I've been a little too harsh, so I wanted to give those fans a little something for this episode. So uh, today we're going to talk about Netflix Castlevania, because last night I just finished the series, and I wanted to talk about it. Uh, so yeah, it's four seasons in total. The, the series is completely done. Boy, uh, this show is amazing. I, I typically don't like anime, but good God, this show is just something else. I highly recommend everybody watch it. Just, just to give you like, just to show you how good it is. Okay. So, you know, I don't like anime. Yeah. I really was not a Castlevania fan either. So same here. I never, never could get into the franchise. It's so good that I actually want to go back and give Symphony of the Night another try. Oh, okay. Because now I'm invested in the characters. Yeah, I just, you know, you're always ragging on me for like, oh, you only gave it 15 minutes. So yeah, I'm going to give that another try at some point. But yeah, this this series, man, especially this last season, it just went so hard. Um, It, it was so epic. Why was it so hard? What did it do? Explain, explain to us. Okay, so just the amount of action, first of all. So it's done by this animation studio called Powerhouse Animation, which they are also doing the upcoming He-Man Masters of the Universe uh, Revelations anime series. There you go, Jason. I don't think it's anime, but yeah, Jason, I told him about it already. Yeah, that one's not going to be ran by Kevin Smith. And and I typically was not a huge Masters of the Universe fan, uh, but I think after... Th- this, I'm going to watch anything that this studio does. I'll at least give it a try. Nice. That That's how good this studio is. Like, I just, they're so talented, man. Just, there's some of the, some animation sequences in there that are just so stunning. Like, the colors, the, the just actual animation, um, it's so smooth. The, the art style is awesome. And, and the thing I like about the show most, though, is it's very, very adult. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> I still got to watch that show. Not the last season. You know what? I still don't know what happened in that last season. I've, I've been trying to avoid spoilers. So, because one of these days I am going to start it and finish it. But anyway, continue. I can't, I can't promise you'll like it, but yeah, definitely give it a try. The first three seasons are, oh my God. But uh, anyway, yeah, Netflix, uh, Castlevania, man. That's one of the few animes that I, I absolutely love. And um I just wanted to give it some love because I know like, you know, uh, did you watch Invincible on Amazon? No, no. But I, I George keeps uh, bothering me to watch that. So I, I, I've i been hearing a lot of good things about it. So, you know, I'm definitely going to try it at some point. Yeah. If you love the boys, you'll probably like Invincible. Okay. But my point is, is so a lot of people were like ragging on the, the animation, which it's fine, but I, you can definitely tell there was some, um, they cut some corners for budgetary reasons. So for Castlevania, though, <laughs> they cut zero corners. Like, you can tell the difference. Netflix spent some nice cash on this. So, and I, like I said, I know you're not a big Castlevania fan. You're not an anime fan. Neither was I. Dude, you got to give this show a chance. It's amazing. I promise everybody listening that I will watch at least the first episode of that show. When I can, I will yeah, do it. I will that's do fair. it. I will do it. I'll suffer through it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I may really like it. You never know. The The character development is like, 
that's what really draws you in. Um, and I know you care a lot about that stuff. The, the, the I do. The storyline's pretty good, but like I think they just. I mean, I'm sure a lot of animes, you know, are like this, but I just don't know because I haven't given them a try. But they let the scenes breathe, you know? It's not like just bang, 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 like ADD, like, you know, they let these scenes breathe like an actual live action show that would be on HBO or something. Like, you'll get these long scenes of these two characters having deep conversations and stuff and... Um, you, you, it's really intricate, man. Like you can really get into the storylines and like, you really have to pay attention to what's happening too. And, um, I, I just love that shit. I want to speak to Sean for a second. Sean, you know, my taste, you know what I like. Try and find me three anime shows you think I'll dig and I'll check them out. And, and don't say one piece cause nobody's watching like 800 episodes I think uh, One Punch Man is one I would recommend to you because you already like superhero stuff. That's like one of the only other animes I like. I know it's on Hulu for sure. Do you have Hulu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's only like two seasons so far, so. And um, I I did try Attack on Titan, (laughs) but I shut it off after 15 minutes. So it's that again. What is with you with 15 minutes? It's come on. One hour. Watch one episode. And 15 minutes is like my default. If you don't hook me in that 15 minutes, like I'm out. I'm sorry. Dude. My attention span sucks for, I don't have time to waste. Yeah, but you know, I think we've probably said enough on Castlevania. Just go watch it, please. I don't care who you are, what you like. Just just watch it. But uh, we, we could talk about that another time because we have a show to do. So welcome everybody to the Boundless Gamers podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jacques, and my co-host is Mike, and we are here, and we are ready to do a podcast. I was about to say, where are you going with that? It's like, we are here, yeah. and <laughs> I was like, oh boy, oh, are we going to have to redo this part? No, it's... <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just like, shit just falls out of my mouth, and I don't know what's going to happen. It's just, you know, it's it's a, it's a journey. It's exciting. <laughs> Um, so yeah, go ahead and, uh, follow us on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at boundless gamers and, uh, subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And that's it. Cause I don't really have anybody else to promote today. So unless you, do you have anybody to promote Mike? Not right now. I'm not, I'm not really thinking about anybody else, just what we're doing with our show. So sorry, sorry. I was thinking about doing the thing where I have every episode, like I have somebody to promote because I just like, um, you know, I like helping other people and uh, giving shine to others and their, you know, creations and stuff. But yeah, this time I just, I dropped the ball. I just don't have anybody. So sorry, just, uh, you know, just go to Boundless Gamers and follow us and do all that shit. So self-promotion. Let's, uh, let's, let's start out with what we're playing, Mike. And I think um, for we're going to talk more Mass Effect at first because, you know, we've been playing a lot of Mass Effect and mm-hmm. you're probably going to just be so tired of Mass Effect, like after a few more episodes. Come on. Everybody wants to hear me talk about the Asaris. That's what you're here for, right? Just me drooling over Liara all the time? We could probably start a side podcast um, where we only talk about Asaris. <laughs> what would you name that podcast? Asari, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, speaking of Mass Effect, uh, do you have any more thoughts on it since the last time we talked? Yeah, I do. I platinumed it. 
Done. Moved on to Are two. Are you shitting me? No, I'm not shitting you. Number 117. Uh, it took me about 22 hours to platinum it. And I did pretty much everything. There was a few things I forgot to do. Um, there was a side mission I was supposed to do with Rex, and I never got around to it because I actually forgot about this. But when you beat the game, you don't go back to the Normandy. So you better have a backup save before you go on the final mission. Oh, yeah. You always want to do that, though. Once uh, you leave the Citadel towards the end, you could still go around to some planets. Just don't go to Ilos. I think that's the name of the planet. That's that's where yeah. Saren's, you know, and they're finding the little mass relay that's on the planet to get in the back door of the Citadel. Yeah, just don't go there. But yes, I platinumed it. Um, I started Mass Effect 2, and uh, I'm not going to really talk about it because I only played like two hours of it. So we'll talk about it next week. Well, I'll talk about it. I don't know where Jacques's at with Mass Effect 1. I, dude, I, you're so far ahead of me. I really need to catch up because I think I'm only like... I just got off the Citadel like not too long ago. I'm going to be on 3 when you get into 2 probably, yeah. Honestly, you might. Like, yeah, because I was going to try to do like as many side quests as I could. And I was really going to, um, you know try to just do almost everything because i want these this this save to matter like i want my file to carry over and of course like, yeah the more i was thinking about it i was like I, this is going to take me forever to beat this so i was like i probably should just do like the major side quests like that you know to, to with the character wise you know all your squad mates and stuff but other than that i think i'm just going to probably like streamline it along because because i really want to get the mass effect too like, to be honest, I'm kind of, like, a little bit bored right now with Mass Effect because I just played it, like, less than a year ago. And, you know, it's it's kind of dated, some of it, even though it's remastered. It's like, you know, I really don't like the Mako. <laughs> it just sucks. It can, it still controls, like, ass. Like, I don't care what they did with it. It still sucks. It's, it's a little better, better, but it's still floaty. It's, it, you know what it feels like? It, it kind of feels like the Warhog from the first Halo game. Yeah, you're right. It does. Except the Warhog actually feels like it has a little more weight behind it, though. That's true. This thing just... And it's not just the Mako, too. Like, the whole, uh, you know, going down on the planets with the Mako. I hate it. They're so boring. Like, they're barren. There's nothing to do on these fucking planets. There, There is side missions on these planets. You gotta find them. That has their own cutscenes and all of that. There needs to be more to do on these planets. Um, but it's just not there in the first game. And I don't think there was a Mako in the second one. No, they took it out because people complained and it, cause they realized it sucked. I'll give Andromeda one thing. like Their sections, while it still wasn't great, it was better than the first Mass Effect because at least there was more interesting things to do. But like besides the stuff you're talking about, the side missions with cutscenes and stuff, most of these things you do on these planets of the Mako, I think, are just they're just boring. Go here and scan this... Uh... Or this uh, crash, this not satellite, but whatever the hell it is, you know what I mean? Like those, yeah. li- and then go here and you know fight a thresher maw. You know that happens quite a bit in this game. If you go to all the planets, like I think I took down eight of them. Go inside of a boring cookie cutter building and then fight a bunch of dumb. Yeah, eyes. so many of those buildings on those random planets are, are the exact same layout when you go in them. Most of the time, you'll just see the same one over and over and over and over. It's kind of yeah, it's not great. You could you could see that it's it's a 2007 game, you know. 
I, I appreciate that you can land on these planets and all that. It does give you that sense of ex, you know, you're exploring new worlds and let's see what, let's see what this place has in store for us. But yeah, it just needed more things. You just do the same shit over and over. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I still love the original Mass Effect, and I think the story itself is the strong point of those games. Yeah, it still holds up. I just think maybe they their ambition exceeded the technology they had at the time, and it was maybe you know it was their first outing with a new IP, so they're they're still trying to to build a foundation there. Which you know, Mass Effect Two, they they drastically took a huge jump. So I can't. Yeah, that's why I can't wait to get to that. It's way better. So you have any other uh, things you want to talk about? I picked a lot of uh, Renegade uh, things in my playthrough, but at the very end, I did save the council. And when I imported my save into Mass Effect 2, like, and it shows you your like statistics and shit, it says, you chosen the Paragon path. And I'm just like, yeah, not really. I mean, I guess it's just basing it off the final decision I made in the game. Wait, so your your like renegade meter was higher than your paragon, but just because you saved the council, you you got the paragon. At well, the end? about that, I actually did a glitch. You know, when you go to, I think it's Vermeer. Is that the planet where you go meet Matriarch Benezia? Yeah, I think so. Well, when you're trying to get a garage pass, you know, you're helping out a bunch of different people there. You know, the Turian that sits in the bar that you got to talk to. Do you remember him? I'm not quite there, so I don't okay. remember. Towards the end of the uh, the um, you know the mission there of getting a pass and all that, you have to help that assistant who's you know the assistant of the guy who's running the place. That's Salarian. She's actually working undercover. Oh, I think you're talking about Novaria. Oh, Novaria. Uh, yeah, w- whatever planet it is. I mean, yeah. Con- continue though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. She eventually asks you to you know you know to help her out with her you know what she's doing, and then you have to go talk to the Turian and. You have to convince him to testify against, you know, the the guy who's running the place. And uh, now there's like two options that there's like a there is a Paragon and a Renegade. Whichever one you pick, it gives you plus 25 points. Now, once you finish that, you can actually go back and talk to him. And if you pick uh, the option where you talk about the matriarch, you know, he says what he says about her. And then after you do that the option to ask him to testify pops up again. So you could keep repeating it over and over and over. So I just maxed out Paragon and Renegade just for the hell of it. <laughs> so it was full bars. So maybe I confused oh my, my save at the end. It's possible, but it doesn't matter. Um, whatever. I'm still picking a lot of Renegade options in the uh, second one. I'm, I am picking a few more Paragons here and there just because there's just certain situations where I'm just like, eh, all right, I'll be nice. Yeah, I won't get into Mass Effect 2 right now. Like I said, I only played two hours of it, so not a whole yeah. lot to talk about there. I, I'm going to have to just power through Mass Effect because I, I, I know you're always going to be ahead of me, but I kind of want to be somewhat close so we can talk about the same game. So I'm, I'm just going to have to power through this week. It doesn't take long. I actually did most of the side missions, almost all of them, and I, and I platinum the game in 22 hours. Mass Effect 1 is really not that long. Yeah, it's actually not. It's a short RPG. You can take your time with the first game, and you're still going to beat it quickly. So do all the side missions if you want. So, Mike, how often did you actually do side missions? All the time. Really? Yeah, all the time. I, 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 there was times where I just came on just to do the side missions, and I cleaned them all up. I went. I even went to all the planets you can land on. Huh. 
and I did the little side missions that were on there. There was a couple on the Citadel I missed, but other than that, yeah, I think I hit most of them. Did you talk to that reporter, Emily Wong? Oh, did of you course. Did give her the yeah. interview? Yeah, yeah. I was kind of mean, but, you know, I did tell her about, you know, Saren, that, you know, they don't, but the, the Council and Alliance didn't really want to get that information out. But yeah, I, I spilled the beans on Saren being, you know, the one behind everything. I think I'm going to do the same. Like, I talked to her once already. I haven't done the interview yet. I definitely want to get that information out there to the press. I that's I don't really have much more to say about Mass Effect right now. But um, yeah, I kind of I just want to get this thing over with, to be honest. And that kind of makes me sad to say, but I'm just so excited about moving on to Mass Effect 2. I'm so happy I didn't play the 360 version recently. I was thinking about it, but you know, before they announced you know this remaster trilogy, um, I was really thinking about like, do I want to start these over? And I'm like, nah, nah, I'll wait. And then like a few months later, they announced it. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, thank goodness. I, I, I played the first Mass Effect like on Game Pass before they announced this remaster because I was intending on playing the whole trilogy, the, the originals, and then they announced this like after I beat the first one. And I was like, well, shit, like, of course I'm going to have to jump on the remaster. So I was like, that means I have to play the first one over again. All right, well, I guess I could talk about a game I've been excited to talk about that I beat this week. And it, that is, it takes two. Yeah, so uh, I played it with my friend Susan, and we beat it in probably like four days, I believe, four sessions, you know, a few hours each time. It, it's actually way longer than I thought it was. But the thing is, is like, it doesn't feel long because you're always doing something new and exciting. Like, this game is just in go mode almost the whole time. It kicks off pretty quickly, you know, it introduces you to the premise right away. They don't waste any time. It just, uh, it keeps topping itself. Like, I, Mike, this easily, easily one of my games of the year. Mm. Do you like it more than Resident Evil Village? I have to ask you that. It's hard to say because they're so different. I like it as much. I cannot stress how good this game is. It's I knew it would be good because I had seen it getting a lot of nines and tens, and people were praising it. It's it's even better than all that. I I, I couldn't believe it. So it's you know it's a co op game, and it's if you played any of uh, Hazelight's other games like A Way Out, which I also played with Susan, and. Um, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons, which is also a great game. Yeah, that was a great 360 game. Uh, it takes two is by far Hayes Light's best game, and it's not even close. So this game is basically like a Pixar movie, except a little more adult. But uh, yeah, so I, I would say there's like some Pixar in it. It's like Pixar meets um, Michael Bay. <laughs> Pixar meets Michael Bay. Okay, everybody, just just picture that in your minds. You're not selling me on on it, Jacques. That's, I don't like. No, Michael no, Bay. no. I don't mean like in a bad way. I just mean like action wise. Like there's a lot of like more action than you would realize. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like Inside Out, which is one of my favorite Pixar movies. Joseph Ferris, who's like the creative director. I think everybody knows him. You know, fuck the Oscars guy. This dude is actually a genius. Like he, I fucking love Joseph Ferris, man. I want to pray at the altar of Joseph Ferris. Okay, all right. Like, what him and his team have done with this game is just... It's astounding, man. The The, the quality is so far beyond their other games. It's like they, they leveled up. Like, it's so insane. 
you know, there's something that he had mentioned, I heard in interviews and stuff, what they wanted to do with this game is offer tons of variety. Like, so you're always doing something new and they nailed it, dude. This game never gets boring. Like, I I feel like you almost have to be on drugs to, to play this game. (laughs) What kind, what kind, what kind do you recommend for this? All of them. I think he was on all the drugs when he made this. I, and it's, it's fantastic. It's this place that this game goes so many places. It's ridiculous. It's like, you're just like, you know, it's shit's crazy, you know? And then you're like, oh, okay. So we're just, it's going to calm down next. Nope. It just fucking ramps up more. And you're like, okay, okay. It's, it's got to calm down. Nope. Just fucking just keeps ramping up through the whole thing. You're just doing crazy shit. Like I I can't even explain it. I don't want to spoil anything, but like the story just goes places, man. It's, it's, it's all over the place, but not in a bad way. Yeah, like I said, I was never bored, man. I, I was just like, I had such a huge smile on my face through this whole game. I was laughing, you know. Um, we were having so much fun. And it's it's a really good game to uh, build relationships. Hmm. I think it's a good uh, bonding game, you know, like to strengthen relationships. And I think that's like why we should play it, like, at some point. I really, really want to play this with you. Because... The thing is, is, you know, there's two characters, May and Cody. So I played as Cody and she played as May. But if I play it with you again, I'm going to play as May this time because it's like a whole okay. new experience. Yeah, yeah. I really I want to play this. It sounds this sounds cool. And real quick, just not, not to not to cut you off. No, no, go, some go. of the listeners may not know this. Only one person really needs the game because, you know, whoever owns it, they can send a, an invite uh, to their friend who wants to play it, like then they'll be able to download a trial version of the game. But it's technically the full version of the game, but you just don't get trophies and shit like that. But your friend will be able to play it, the whole game, beginning to end. They don't have to drop $30 or $40 or whatever. I mean, they can if they want to. If they want to support the developer, that's cool. But only one of you needs to own a copy of this game. That's one thing I want to shout out about this. Same thing with The Way Out. I love that they do that. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. Yeah, it's a it's called a friend pass. Yeah, they still need to download the whole game. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was saying. I'm sorry if I worded it wrong. You give them access to download the whole game. They just have some restrictions, like they, like I said, they can't get trophies and achievements. But other than that, you basically get the whole game. Yeah, and it's a decent size. I think it was like over 30 gigs. Um, this 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 game plays like a movie too, in a sense. It's it's like. If this was an actual Pixar movie, take away the fact that there's like a little more uh, adult stuff happening in it that, uh, you know, probably sh- the kids maybe should not see. But this plays like an actual Pixar movie. Like that's the level of quality we're talking about. Also, like the gameplay too ties perfectly into the narrative. So it's about like a couple that is getting a divorce, right? And their young daughter is sad about this. So she she does some like, you know, she does some stuff like, you know, whatever, witchcraft. <laughs> Not really, but it's like, you know, magical. And it basically it turns this couple into dolls. Oh, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's another inspiration, clearly, because they're like you're playing as these little dolls and you're shrunk down and a lot of the world is just huge around you. So, yeah, and you're trying to find a way to like turn back into your human selves. And, you know, you have to work together to accomplish that. And, you know, they're they're going through a divorce. So, like, they're they're arguing a lot because they've drifted apart and, you know, life happens. So I won't get into any more than that because I don't want to spoil anything. But 
you know, just like a way out, like you have a, the screen is split right down the middle. So you can both see what the other person is doing, which is helpful when you're trying to do puzzles together. So what's cool though, is it's all about different perspectives, you know, and trying to, to use those different perspectives, but also not letting it them break you apart. So you really have to use communication for some you know, relationships, I could see that really uh, tearing people apart and there could be arguments, but I could also see it bringing people closer together too. It really just depends on your personalities. So like, you know, our friends, Indy and Ashley, this, uh, this would be a perfect game for them to play. Like guys, please play this game. Please, please, please. Uh, Indy, you both have to play Overcook so you can grab each other's throats and fight to the death because that game could cause arguments. So. <laughs> oh, no. But I'm just, the jokes aside, yeah. I, I, I've been hearing that a lot about this game, that it, it does build a relationship uh, up in a positive way, you know, uh, after completing it. I'm very curious to check this game out um, at some point. I, I know we'll have to find time to play it. Hopefully soon. Maybe after the Mass Effect games, we can probably uh, tackle it. Yeah, for sure. I, I I look forward to that. I I can't wait to play this game again. It's a game you can easily replay at least once from the other perspective, the other character. This game will definitely eventually be on EA Play, which comes with Game Pass. I, I don't know how long that usually takes, but you know, I'm gonna go ahead and say buy this at full price. Please support Haze Light. They deserve it, man. This game deserves to be purchased at full price. It's that good. That's that's all I want to say about that. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think we have any other games we've been playing this week, Mike, because we've been playing a lot of Mass Effect, and you've been editing a lot. Yeah, I've been playing the Audacity game. Does that count? <laughs> Which, by the way, last week I had to edit it twice because um, halfway through my editing, um, the data just got corrupted, and I just had to start over from scratch. So I was like, ah. If you know anything about editing, you know that's like. Hell, yeah, not fun, not fun. Yeah, Mike slaved over it all week, so we have a episode last week, thanks to Mike. It, I thought you did a great job, so. <laughs> well, hopefully this episode doesn't get corrupted. Oh, God, my computer's listening. Don't say that. All right, Mike, do you want to move on to our topic? Yeah, sure, let's do it. All right, I think this is going to be a real fun one. So this idea actually came from Indy, who we just mentioned, and... Essentially, what we're going to do is play a little game uh, where we are going to pick any IP. It doesn't have to be video games. It could be any IP. And we're going to match it to a developer. We're going to basically explain what that game would be if it were to actually be made. And we're each going to do three, three games. Mike, do you want to start out since I was talking a lot with It Takes Two? Sure. Just real quick, I will mention that Indy did hit one of his uh, games that he mentioned was Aliens and Visceral Games. If you don't know who Visceral, well, they don't exist anymore. They made the Dead Space games. EA has killed them off. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning that is because he stole that from me. <laughs> oh, did he? We used to have conversations about this like years ago. We we're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you know the guys who made Dead Space made an Aliens game? So yeah. I mean, yeah, because Dead Space was heavily influenced by the Aliens franchise. So definitely, yeah. That's the first one on my list, is that Aliens and Visceral Games. Oh, okay. After playing Alien Isolation, I want that sneaky AI mechanics 
in a uh, a James Cameron style aliens game. So a little bit more like action than isolation. Yeah, it's obviously it's going to have more action because you have clone marines and they're shooting pulse rifles and all kind of the weapons and stuff. But I want the AI intelligence to be similar to Alien Isolations. Now, the problem I have with clone marines, and well, there's a lot of problems I have with clone marines, but one of the problems I have with that game is that the aliens, for the most part, are not sneaky. And that also is something I'm seeing in the new Aliens game that's coming out later this year, Aliens Fireteam. Is that the name of it? Yeah, Aliens Fire Team. I think that's correct. Yeah. All the footage that they showed of that game, you just, here comes the aliens. They're coming at you from here, 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 here. It's like they're not sneaking around and shit. You could still have that those action moments and stuff, but I want them to be sneaky. I don't want to know exactly where they're coming from all the time. But yeah, I think the guys who made the Dead Space games would be perfect for that. Visceral Games doesn't exist anymore. You'd have to go find all the original guys you know, who made the Dead Space trilogy that would be amazing. I would absolutely love it. But I think I want the game to be first person instead of third person. After playing Alien Isolation, it's it's far more creepy being in first person in that universe. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think in any horror game, probably first person is more frightening. I mean, it definitely works in third person, but I just just me personally, I, I prefer first person horror games. Yeah, I mean, you're you're certainly more immersed. I mean, you know, take Village, for instance, which we just played like. You know, I typically don't like first persons because they make me motion sick, but um, this did not make me motion sick. And it was like, holy shit, it's way more immersive than the third person Resident Evil. So, yeah, I totally agree with you there. I'm not really going to go into the game too much. I mean, just think of Dead Space, the Aliens franchise and first person. There you go. That's the game I want. Yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. Now, we do have the Callisto project coming from Glenn Schofield, who uh, worked on the Dead Space franchise. So that might be the closest you'll get to that. No idea when that's coming. It'll probably be a few years. Um, I'm going to say 2023. Yeah, probably. Speaking of horror, all three of my games are horror. I, I don't know, I'm just on a horror kick, I guess, you know, with Village. And I didn't plan it that way. It just happened that way. So maybe I'm just in that mind space. Yeah, so my first game would be Doctor Strange because... We haven't had a Doctor Strange game that I can think of, and he's one of my favorite Marvel characters. So, um, yeah, Doctor Strange, and I would marry that with Remedy um, because Hmm. they clearly are awesome at horror. That's an interesting combo. What I would have it be is I think you'd probably have like a little hub area, which would be the Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, That's Doctor Strange's house. I would sort of have it similar to Control, where it's like, you know, because Control is sort of like a 3D Metroidvania. So I would have it where Doctor Strange has to go through portals, right? And they're they're locked. So he has to seek out these bosses. You'll have a bunch of bosses, you know, and they, they could be, you know, enemies from Doctor Strange comics like Shumagorath or Mephisto or whatever, you know, just... And he'll fight all these enemies, and once he beats the enemy, he he gets a spell. He learns a spell to open the next dimension, the next portal. Obviously, there'd be tons of, like, magic he would be using. You'd pick up more powers, you'd learn more spells, and you you could see how this could easily be married with a video game. Like, if you've seen the Doctor Strange movie, even, you know, he has, like, the the shield. You know, he could have, like, the shield, sort of like how, you know, Jesse and Control brought up, like, all the rocks in front of her. He would just do, like, a Doctor Strange-type shield. Um, You know, he would shoot, like, you know, magic shit out of his fingers, and that could be an attack. He'd be able to fly, like, you know, Jesse, like, float and dash and stuff. 
So I think Baron Mordo, which is like one of his arch nemesis, he would kind of be following him like throughout, you know, he'd, he'd run into him like every so often and the, in these different dimensions. And he's trying to like stop Dr. Strange from doing whatever he needs to do. I, I don't know what it is. Like maybe Baron Mordo is like the main antagonist and maybe he like, you maybe you could do it like the movie where he stole a spell or something from the Sanctum Sanctorum and like Dr. Strange is trying to get it back, chasing him. So I think like the final boss would be Baron Mordo. He finally, you know, like, a, you know, sorcerer versus sorcerer. Is Sam like writing this game? Oh, of course. Of course. I think he would definitely have like uh, people helping him from Marvel who know about that character, you know, maybe maybe pick a, a writer who has written some Doctor Strange comics and maybe collaborate. But so say like the final boss, you beat uh, Baron Mordo, you think it's over. Nope, bitch, you're going right into a fight with Dormammu because that's the actual ultimate villain. <laughs> and you just have this epic showdown with Dormammu. <laughs> Uh, and I think too, like as far as you could do these collectible things where all throughout the dimensions you go, um, you have to find like artifacts uh, that have been imbued with magic. You have to find them and bring them back. They've been stolen from the Sanctum Sanctorum. And once you collect that artifact, it'll appear in the Sanctum Sanctorum, almost like a little museum. Like yeah, like a trophy room. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, a, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. I like that. So yeah, that's that's pretty much my Remedy Doctor Strange game. The twist at the end is Alan Wake's actually writing the story. Ah. <laughs> After the credits, you see like you see him sitting at his desk, and he's like with the old uh, typewriter. That that's that's the end credit scene. You know how Marvel does like end credit scenes. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not be mad at that. All right, Mike. So what's your second one? It's a Star Trek single player RPG game. You know something that fans really really want, and I want Ubisoft Montreal to make this game because they've already put out a star trek game not that long ago do you remember bridge crew oh yeah i haven't played it but i yeah i wish i had played it i would definitely take the uh the bridge uh simulation of, in that and put it in a, in a star trek game like that's just one thing you can do the fans deserve this they need a really good star trek game i'm sorry star trek online just doesn't cut it yeah sorry jason and george i want a star trek like mass effect style kind of game Oh, that would be amazing. When I was thinking about, you know, this game, I was like, maybe I should pick Obsidian. I'm like, eh, they're, they're too busy. And, you know, mm -hmm. Ubisoft is, has already jumped into the Star Trek IP a little bit. So I was like, all right, let, let's, let's let Ubisoft make an RPG. So is it first person? <sighs> I haven't decided yet. I, I think I can go either way. Okay. You can do something like Fallout or Skyrim where you can switch back and forth, you know by just clicking down the stick i guess you could do that but yeah but yeah i would definitely make a star trek game that's similar to mass effect i know some people are going to just say just play mass effect <laughs> you know but star trek fans they, they really need a good game i mean i liked bridge crew but it was like it was a good idea and a cool mechanic basically just a simulator and then you got star trek online which just sorry that's that's not good enough you know, you know how it is with MMOs. You just do the same bullshit over and over and over and over. I have a question, Mike. Would you have uh, space combat? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's got to have that. That's why I said you take the bridge crew part and put it in there. 
you can have that and then you can you know when you're not doing that then you can you know walk around the ship you know like the normandy and go to planets send teams and you know explore the galaxy and so okay so i get it so it would be less like you know your typical aerial combat like say star wars squadrons and it would be more about like an actual crew like trying to make this thing run and yeah being at your stations and all that yeah okay cool yeah i like that idea you know what I like about this, too, is I would kind of like to see Ubisoft stretch their legs and do something different than Assassin's Creed and Far Cry. I mean, they are doing a Star Wars game, but uh, why not Star Trek, too? <laughs> Make another Star Trek game. Yeah, what is it, like Massive Entertainment that's doing the Star Wars game coming up? Is that confirmed? Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely confirmed who's doing it. Yeah, they did The Division. Okay. I don't know if I want to play a Star Wars Division game, but... I'll give it a chance, you know, when they put it out. But yeah, I don't know what else I can say about that. Um, yeah, just a Star Trek single-player RPG. You know, a good, nice 30-, 40-hour campaign with a good story. I think people would love that shit. All right, cool. Yeah, so my second game is I would take the property Supernatural, uh, which is the CW television show, uh, which is, has concluded. It's a 15-season run, which is insane. And I would marry that with Supermassive, who did Until Dawn in the Dark Pictures anthology. Okay, okay. If there's any Supernatural fans out there, uh, you, you know that you the two main characters are brothers, Sam and Dean Winchester. And if you've played Supermassive games, they're horror-focused, obviously, but there's a mechanic where you it's co-op, so it would fit perfectly with the two characters. Like, you would each be controlling a character, you know, sometimes you work together, you come together, sometimes you split up. So it would be, it would, it would be so perfect. It would be set up exactly like an episode. So what I would do is I would kind of set it up where the Dark Pictures anthology, you know, they have these like little, what, like four or five hour games, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Five hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd probably have like, you know, five of those, like, this is never going to happen. <laughs> this is just, this is pie in the sky. But so I would have each game be basically set up like an episode of Supernatural. And but I would have a story arc carrying through all five of the games. And at the very end, it would be like building up to like an ultimate, you know, showdown. So I don't I don't really know what the story would be, but you could do anything, man. There's so much lore to draw from from Supernatural. You know, you could have a showdown with Lucifer, God, like you could do whatever you want. But I just think like the core like mechanic of, you know, this co-op game where you're Sam and Dean and you're just going on these these adventures, you know, like hunting monsters. Like, I, I just think that would be so cool. And, you know, your decisions would actually matter, too. You know, like you could you could legitimately be in danger, like one of you or both of you could die. And I think that Supermassive is really good with horror. So I, I just I just think it's a perfect marriage. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I've never watched Supernatural, so <laughs> I've never got I never got into that. I know Chris is a big fan, right? Isn't Chris and Lucy? Didn't they love that show? I don't think so. I know Sean likes Supernatural though, so oh, okay. you know, I think he would might dig that. But anyway, uh, what's your next game, Mike? Quantic Dream, making a Superman game. Oh, that's interesting. Here's the thing about Superman games: it's very very hard to make one because Superman's like indestructible so it's like okay what do we do do we just throw in a bunch of kryptonite or do we put things on timers and oh he only has five minutes to finish this area or the mission's over or something and uh, that's a huge challenge 
for a lot of the, all the Superman games that have come out. They just don't know what to do. So, you know, frick all that. Let's do a, an interactive story. Why not? Yeah, I, I could see Quantic Dream doing that. I mean, I guess you can have a little bit of action in it. Uh, maybe um, not, not just quick time events. Maybe they can play around and experiment a little bit. I know it's a little outside their comfort zone. I'm sure they can figure something out. But yeah, I think uh, a heavy story driven, multiple choice, you know, options in these situations where you got to pick what he's got to do and all that. I think that's how you make a Superman game. That's such an unconventional choice, but I love it because you're right. There is a problem where Superman is too OP. So it's like, what do you do? So instead you take it and make it a more uh, story-based game where he has these, these moral problems, these moral conundrums where the powers can't necessarily get him out of. And I think like Quantic Dream is so good at doing story. So yeah, I mean, that would be cool. Like who would be the villain? Would it be Lex Luthor? No, I don't think I'd go with Lex. I'd probably go with Dark Side. You could do Toy Man. Toy Man, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like that too. Where like you know, so you know, a Quantic Dream, like you can actually get people killed if you make the wrong decisions. Exactly. So that's perfect yep. for Superman. Like if he, you know, ends up getting somebody killed, that's gonna like take a toll on him mentally. And um, yeah, I I love that. I love that choice. That's really cool. Thank you, thank you. But it'll never happen, unfortunately. <laughs> if we do get a game like that. It probably would be the new Telltale team or something that they would never hand it off to a developer like that where it's going to have a high budget. I mean, we got a Telltale Batman. We got two seasons, so you never know. They're doing a third season, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Now that Telltale is back. Yeah, there's a third season for Batman and a second season for Wolf Among Us. I can't wait for that. Yeah, both of those are amazing. All right, well, let's see. My final one is... So I would, I've always been a fan of Peter Pan as long as I can remember from my childhood. Like I would always watch the old VHS tape of Peter Pan and, and I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a Peter Pan video game. Have you? Yeah. There's one on Super Nintendo. I remember we rented it at the, uh, Video Kingdom place. I think I mentioned that before in the podcast. Uh, did I? Maybe I did. Yeah. You mentioned video. Kingdom. Oh yeah. Yeah. In the first episode. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We got it there. Didn't know what the hell we were doing. Brought it back. I never played that, but, you know, I wanted to show some love to my boy, Peter Pan. So I would have a Peter Pan game, and it would be made by From Software, which <laughs> I know that sounds like an oh unconventional God. choice. Oh, I love it. But hear me out. So if you've played From Software games, you know, you kind of know, like, the general sense of how they work. Oh, real quick, that Peter Pan game was called Hook. Was it based off the movie? I don't. I don't know. It's it's possible, but uh, I you know I I love Dustin Hoffman Hook. I like that movie a lot. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I like it. I thought it was a cool, interesting take on Peter Pan. So yeah, but enough of that. Let's go back to what you were saying. Sorry. Yeah. So you know, from software games, they're very dark. They they they're roguelikes. Usually, you have like a, you know people being corrupted by otherworldly forces and things like that. My story would be basically the protagonist would be Wendy. This would be like years after, you know, the whole Peter Pan thing, going to Neverland and all that. She, she's come back. Um, She's not like old, but she's probably, she's older. She's like maybe in her 20s. You know, recently playing the Alice Madness Returns game has also given me some inspiration, you know, like taking a beloved property and yeah. a fairy tale and like twisting it. So Peter Pan is actually going to be the villain of this story. 
there's like this thing where Neverland and the real world are going to be converging because Peter Pan has been in Neverland for too long. He misses Wendy. He's obsessed with her. He wants her back at all costs. So what he does is he, he lets his imagination get out of control. This basically summons the elemental force of imagination. Like in my world, imagination is this actual elemental force. So he, he makes a he makes a deal with imagination. And that deal is, well, he's going to bring Neverland to the real world. So they start converging. So this story basically takes place in the real world. And over time, like, all the people are being twisted into these, like, you know, you're, you're giving these normal people who have, like, anger issues, grief issues, bitterness, and they're letting their imagination run wild with just unprecedented power of imagination. So they start getting twisted into these ugly creatures. And all you'll have all your cast of Neverland characters. You'll have, you know, the Lost Boys, Tinkerbell, Tiger Lily. They'll all be boss fights. Then Peter Pan will be the final boss, right? You'll, you'll have the Crocodile. You'll have Hook or uh, Captain Hook. You'll have all of them. You said it's going to converge with the real world. In the real world, what year is it? What's the time period? 1920s, 1875? Is it 1940s? I mean, it'll be like uh, London or something, you know, like Victorian, maybe not Victorian, but maybe like, um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that, actually. I don't think it really matters. I guess it would depend on like what type of art style you wanted to do. But if you wanted to keep in line with like that, you know, from software aesthetic, I guess you could sort of do like that, you know, turn of the century Victorian London type of deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have a. you would have, uh, you know, play on like the worst parts of the the personalities, you know, like like Tiger Lily is like like jealous of Wendy, so she wants to kill her, so that you know they have like a boss fight because she loves Peter. Uh, Tinkerbell, you know, she same thing, you know, she loves Peter, but you know, you could also do Tinkerbell where she's sort of like the fire keeper, you know, in Dark Souls like that. She kind of you know helps you along your journey a little bit too. Voiced by Jennifer Hale. Troy Baker is Peter Pan. I maybe, maybe. I think once you finally get to Peter Pan, though, you, you'll Wendy will see like, uh, you know, he he's got like this this fake, like Wendy made up like this this creature that he's like trying to pretend is like Wendy. Like he's just totally gone at this point. He's twisted. He's obsessed with her, and like you know, you have to fight him. Like you know, like leave me alone, bro. Like you know, <laughs> like relax. Like we we had a little fling one time, but you know, you got to let it go. So, and I think, like, you could even do a thing where Peter, like, uh, kidnaps her brothers or whatever and, like, holds holds them hostage, threatens to kill them, and, like, Wendy's has to rescue them. And This game sounds awesome. I would definitely play this, and I'm not into those kind of Souls-y kind of games, but if they made this game, I, I'd be down for it. Like, I'm all in. Yeah, I think so. And, like, I, I don't really, I enjoy watching the playthroughs of the From Software games. I don't really like them myself to play them because i get kind of frustrated with the whole like roguelike thing but but this game if you, if they actually made this I, I would for sure have to play this one so and then like you know at the end when she defeats peter pan um you know she gets her brothers back she uh i don't know how you could end it but maybe she somehow makes a deal with you know the the elemental force of imagination to to split the worlds back apart like they're supposed to be so 
Yeah, that, that's my uh, From Software Peter Pan. <laughs> I, you know, I should I should have came up with a few more of these. This is this is actually a really good topic, Andy. I'm I'm, gl- I'm glad you threw it out there. I hope more of you guys uh, come out and you know give us some topics because we're you know we're open you know we're open to hear them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think we'll probably revisit this topic down the line and do some more games. Yeah, th- we got to do a part two. Yeah, definitely. This this was really fun. But yeah, that's that's gonna do it for our topic of the show, and I think. At this point, we will move on to Surprise Mechanics, which, if you guys don't remember, Surprise Mechanics is where me and Mike each bring something to the table. Could be like a topic, uh, a game, trivia, article, whatever. Neither one of us knows what it is, so it's going to be a surprise to both of us. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much Surprise Mechanics. So, Mike, uh, what is your Surprise Mechanic? Okay, Jacques, before we get into this, I need you to say... Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. You're going to do it, right? I will do it. Okay. I picked three games that's on Game Pass, and you have to play one of these games for at least (laughs) two hours, and then you're going to talk about it on next week's episode. Okay, I actually like that. That's, That's a good one. Now, I made sure not to pick anything that was going to, you know, trigger your motion sickness. Thank you. Okay. Number one. Jurassic World Evolution. Okay, that's not too bad. I've seen some gameplay footage of it. I used to like Roller Coaster Tycoon, so it's similar enough. Could be a fun podcast game, you know? You can listen to, you know, well, our podcast, I guess. You can listen to one of our old recordings. Number two, Rise Son of Rome. Mmm. I never played that, but I was always curious about it. Well, you'll probably enjoy the cutscenes in it. And the story's not bad. But, you know, the gameplay, it's fun at first, but then it kind of gets same same old, same old. I didn't think it was that bad. All right, so the last game is Full Throttle Remastered. Oh, is is that the... Uh, Tim um, Schafer game. Yes, uh, Double Fine. I've heard that's maybe one of their best games. Yeah, yeah my favorite game from them is probably Broken Age. Uh, uh, you know, if we're talking about the point-and-click adventure games, like, that's probably the one I'd recommend the most. But... I decided to go with this. So, Jacques, you have to pick one of these games. And like I said, you have to at least play two hours of it. And I'm going to double check. I'm going to look at the achievements. Because I know there's, in each of these games, achievements do pop early in the game. So if I don't see any achievements, I know you didn't play it. I mean, you could play more than two hours. Like, if you're if you're really into it and you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this game. Go ahead. That's, that's cool. But you don't have to. So, Jacques, which one do you want to play for our show? You know what? This would where this is where it would come in handy if I had a Twitch channel because I could actually play it on there, and mm. that would be proof that I played it. Um, I think I am gonna make a Twitch channel eventually, but I have no idea when. Um, and it will be like an official Boundless Gamers Twitch channel. Yeah, ah, uh, boy. You know, um, Jurassic World Evolution. Uh, I think would be fun, but I it would probably take me two hours just to get through the tutorial. You know, those are very complex games. And I recently played Planet Coaster, and it actually made me motion sick, the camera. Really? Yeah. I was, believe me, I was heartbroken because as a, you know, Roller Coaster Tycoon fan, I was looking forward to that. I didn't think that game would do it. Neither did I. The camera is just so fast, man. It's just like moving all over the place. All right. So, sounds like Jurassic World Evolution is. In the trash bin. So you got two left. Yeah, so that's out. Now, the other two are very interesting because I would actually like to try both. 
But I think if I had to choose one, I'm going to have to say Rise, Son of Rome, only because I've that's been on my radar for far longer. And that was one of those games, I believe it was one of the earliest games on Xbox One, right? Yeah, it was a launch game. Uh, it was made by Crytek. Oh, it was by Crytek. Yep. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. The, the, that game is very pretty. It's a very pretty game to look at. Like, yeah. The cutscenes are enjoyable. Two hours of that, I think, I think, I think you'll have a good time. Uh, now, it's not a long game, so if you want to beat it, that's up to you. You can do it. Yeah, and if it's anything like uh, the movie Three Hundred, uh, with you know a lot of those like action combat scenes where it's yeah, just like yeah. tons of guys going at it, then I I might enjoy it. Um, the the little bit I've seen of it looks pretty cool. Like you said, for for the time, like the graphics were pretty damn good. So, and uh, if it has a decent story, yeah, it's possible I could end up finishing it. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll have to, uh, I have to, cause I said I would. So I, yep. you know, you have to hold me to that. So I will play it uh, this week. All right, guys. So next week, Jacques is going to talk about Rise, Son of Rome. Some of you are probably like, what the hell is that? Look it up. It's a launch game for the Xbox one. I, I, a lot of people give it shit. I don't think it's that bad. I enjoyed it for what it was. So I can't wait to hear Jacques thoughts. So, uh, get on that. You know, stop playing yeah. Mass Effect. <laughs> well, I'm not going to stop playing Mass Effect, but I, I'll try to switch between. I, I'm definitely going to have to like power through the first Mass Effect even more now. So, I swear to God, though, if like you know, come down the line, Mass Effect Three, if I ended up getting like Tali killed again because it's like, oh, you didn't do this in the first Mass Effect, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to blame you, actually. <laughs> I could have been mean with this i could have been like Jacques, final fantasy kingdom hearts 3 and octopath traveler but i i I know you you don't want to touch those games so i mean maybe uh in the future if you if we want to do something around that where we like have to make each other we have to choose a game for each other i think that could be kind of funny if you do this to me down the line and you pick all japanese rpgs i'm gonna veto it i'm just i'm not doing it (laughs) (laughs) you can have one in there if you want Maybe I'll play it, but if it's all JRPGs, it's just, I'm just going to walk away. I'm just going to stop the podcast and be like, nope, I'm done. So I'm starting to think now, the, the the gears are turning in my head. What if, Mike, once a month, we each chose a game for each other to play? I like that. I think that's reasonable. As long as we don't pick anything like that's 200 hours long. You're like, well, yeah, no, no, no. Persona 5 or something. You're like, no, that's not happening. You know, actually, no, I I disagree with that because there is no caveat that we have to finish it. I think everything is free game. I think that makes it more interesting. Now, now the question is, so we're we're set we're setting up like a segment, I guess, live right here. So you know, like chime in, audience, if you have any ideas. Now, should we set it up like how you did, where we give each other like three choices, or should we just pick one and that person has to play it? I I think I I I thought of something. Even better. I know this is adding on to the pile of games we have to play, but I could pick a game for you. You could pick a game for me. And then the listeners, probably just going to be indie right now, because <laughs> so many people are leaving comments, they can drop a game for us to play. We And we both have to play it. How about that? Spice it up a little bit. It gets the listeners involved. I do like that. Yeah. I think we should definitely have the audience pick us a game, but how often should we do that? Hmm. Every other month. Yeah, every other month. We we can do it. We play a lot of games. I think that's reasonable. 
if we come up with any better like ideas for this, then like we'll talk about it next episode. But yeah, so far I think we've we've got something interesting here. Didn't think we'd be going down that road, but hey, that's how it goes. I mean, you never know. You talk about one thing, turns into this, and then turns into that, and now you're doing this. <laughs> so and now we're stuck playing games we possibly regret. Indy, if you give me a JRPG, I'm going to hate you. Don't do it. Oh, now that you said that, like you're for sure getting an RPG, a Japanese RPG. Like first game, it's like yeah, uh, Persona Five Royale. <laughs> oh man, I so you know I'm I know for a fact like I'm probably def, even though I said I'm never playing Final Fantasy VII remake, I, I think I've just guaranteed that I probably am gonna have to play a little bit of it. The more I'm thinking about this, the the audience one. So I think maybe we should give them incentives. Like they have to do something or get to a certain goal in order for us, for them to be able to pick a game for us to play. I don't know what that would be, but they they can't just have free reign on our, our gaming choices. You know, they got to work for it. Here's the thing. What if, um, let's say a bunch of listeners submit one for in the month. How do we choose? Are we going to vote on it or are we just going to randomly pick one? How are we going to do that? We'll solicit like ideas for games like across all of our social media, and then we'll just pick the like maybe top three or something say that pop up, and then we'll just create a poll across all of our social media, and then people can vote on it. I like that. That sounds good. I think at least at least like every other month is fair. Now it's possible we could do it more than that. I don't know. We're we're playing this by ear, so we will see. I'm excited and terrified at the same time. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm excited, but it's also like, oh boy, what did we get ourselves into? So I I just thought about this. I know for a fact that you're going to make me play The Order 1886. I'm keeping it on Game Pass right now. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to just make you go out and buy a random ass game. Let's, Let's keep it on the Game Pass for now. Yeah, that's probably a good idea, but I do think if it's like a few dollars, like five bucks or something, I think that's fair. Oh, that's fine, but it's like, hey, pick up the $70 game and play it. I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So I think, yeah, like probably keep it to Game Pass for now, even the the audience vote too. I'm wondering if I should even get PS now, because I I don't have that. I have it till June, and then I'm going to let it expire. And plus, I think Sony's going to do something soon where they're probably going to like fold it into Plus. I I, I still believe that. That's true. Yeah. That's got to be like the quick solution to for them to fight Game Pass right now until they actually think of something proper. Okay, so maybe I'll hold off on that. Yeah, we'll just keep it limited to Game Pass for now. Which there's there's plenty of games to choose from on there. So and because that also includes EA Play as of now. Which, and, you know, yep. we've heard rumors of them possibly doing a deal with Ubisoft to include their games as well. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, um, Mike, I think we should move on to my surprise mechanic. Um, this is going to be a fun one for you. Is it trivia? Funny you should say that. Because you remember last episode, I said, you know, you're embarrassing me with these trivia questions. And I was like, one day I'm going to get you back. Well, today is that day, Mike. So I have six questions, but there's a twist. So me and you are both fans of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So I am going Multiple to... Multiple choice. No, not quite. But I'm going to steal from them a little bit because you have lifelines. Okay. So you have three lifelines and one of them is 50-50, which means I'll give you the correct answer and a false answer and you can pick between the two. 
Now, the second lifeline is a hint. I will give you a hint. The third lifeline is you can ask for an entirely new question. I have backup questions. No phone a friend. Okay. No phone a friend. Well, yeah, I was thinking about it, but I'm like, how would we make that work? I'm that just going to call really Chris up like in the middle of the night and be like, yeah, we're playing a game on our, our podcast. I need you to answer a question. You got 20 seconds. I mean, that would be feasible if we were actually using Discord, and but yeah, we're, we're not there yet. But uh, so anyway, yeah, you get the three lifelines, 50-50, a hint or a new question. So keep that in mind. And there's going to be six questions. Okay. So first question. So Star Fox, you remember the game Star Fox? Star Fox was inspired by what movie franchise? Now, I would play the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music, but, you know, I don't want to get copyright struck or whatever. Yeah, I could put it in there if I wanted to. Yeah, that would be a problem. Okay. Is it Star Wars? It is. You got it right. There you go. Good job. Yeah, uh, you know, Shigeru, Shigeru, I don't know how to say his first name, Miyamoto, he uh, was a huge fan of the original trilogy, and he was heavily inspired uh, by that. Okay, uh, you still got your three lifelines. And question number two is, what is Bethesda's highest-selling game? Skyrim. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are wrong. Oh, <laughs> The actual answer is Fallout Shelter. Dude, that's a free-to-play game, though. And I, with microtransactions, come on. That's not... I said highest-selling game. I, it, you know, you gotta think about it. You buy lunchboxes and shit in that. It's not, it's not like a... I don't know, listeners, are you with me on that? Like, that's, that, that's, a, little, that's a little questionable, that one. Hey, a game is a game, man. I just said That is definitely selling. questionable, that one. I, I think I got people behind me. No, man, you, you just, you didn't think about it hard enough. They don't sell the game. All right, never mind. Shit. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what the listeners think about that. Indy, come on. You know, you know, I'm right. I guarantee you, though, Skyrim is like their best selling actual game that you buy. Like, I, I, I guarantee you that's got to be that. Okay, so third question. What was the first game to allow the player to save progress? First console game. So we're not talking about PC. There might have been an NES game, but most NES games didn't have that, which they used the, the codes and all of that bullshit, but there might have been one on there. <sighs> Maybe. Would you like to use a lifeline? Yes, 50-50. 50-50 lifeline. Okay, Mike. It was either The Legend of Zelda or the very first Mega Man game. Let me think about this for a second. I, I'm so tempted to go down, 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 down. Create some music for this. You know, you got a guitar. Like, do something. I can put it really low in the background. That's true. I think I will do that because we'll probably be doing trivia a lot. So I'll come up with something. So either was it first game to allow the player to save progress? Was it The Legend of Zelda or Mega Man? I'm going to go with Legend of Zelda. You are Correct. So you've got two out of three so far, Mike. That's not bad. All right. You still have two lifelines left, which I can either give you a hint or you can ask for a new question. And like I said, I encourage you to use both of them because, you know, why wouldn't you if you're stuck? So fourth question, what year did Xbox Live launch? Okay. So the console came out in 2001 and Live was not ready yet. 
give me a hint. I think I know what year it is, but give me the hint. Yeah, let me use the hint lifeline. Well, since the console came out in 2001, as you say, it was within a three-year period after that. Yeah, that I know. I know that. <laughs> that doesn't help me at all. Didn't say they would be good hints. All right, I, I'm going to go with 2003. Final answer. Final answer, 2003. You are incorrect. It was 2002. So you're you're two out of four. That's still not bad. That's that's fifty percent. The fifth question is, what was the name of the special forces unit founded by Big Boss in the Metal Gear franchise? Oh shit! I see the logo in my head too. I just can't think of the name. Well, what's what's the logo? Is it like it's like the fox, right? The fox looking thing. Could be. Yeah. What's the name of the unit? Okay, I'm I'm just I'm just gonna guess it because this is what's popping in my head. It's probably wrong. Diamond Dogs. Oh, that is a good guess, but you are wrong. Yes, I figured. That is the name of a group, but the name I'm looking for is Foxhound. Foxhound. All you were right. close. You said Fox. You were almost there. Question number six. So. We all know that Super Mario 64 launched with the N64. What was the other title that launched alongside it in North America? I think it was a snowboarding game. What type of snowboarding games were there at the time? I don't know the name of it, but I just remember there being a snowboarding game around the t- near the time it came out. But I'm going to have to ask for another question. Mike, do you know what that sound means? We're in overtime? I don't know. <laughs> it means that you have just triggered a secret guest question. Okay, well, let's, let's get on with it then. I don't know what the hell's going on, but let's go. This question is from Phil Spencer. Listener Phil Spencer writes in, and he says, What is the name of my childhood dog? No, actually, I do have a real listener question. That was just a joke. So the actual secret guest question is from our good friend Jason Scott Swindell. Holy shit. If this is some Japanese question, then I'm, I'm dead. There's no way I'm going to get it. Oh boy, it just might be. So Mike, what does Atari mean? Oh god, I don't remember. Holy shit. <laughs> what does it mean? Yes, what does it mean? Since it's you know translated from Japanese, it's I'll, if you're just within the vicinity, because it could mean multiple different things that generally mean similar things. So if you're just within the vicinity, I'll give it to you. What does Atari mean? I don't know why, but I'm thinking like environment for some reason. I'm going to go in environment for a good final answer. I don't know. I've- Environments. No, that that is incorrect. It actually means something along the lines of success or to hit a target or reaching the mark. I would never guess that in a million years. <laughs> and it's actually, I believe it's based on a Japanese game. I still deserve another question. I, I still am a little annoyed by that Fallout Shelter one. <laughs> okay, I will, uh, I'll give you another question. Actually, let me go back for a sec because I never gave you the correct answer to the N64 question. Oh, shit, you didn't. The actual game that launched with Mario 64, Super Mario 64 was Pilot Wings 64. Yeah, my 64 knowledge is uh, bare minimum, so yeah, I would not have gotten that. Okay, I'll give you something that you might know, Mike. Oh, you can give me something hard. I just want another question, because I don't like that one, that earlier one. <laughs> 
we'll see. Okay, so, you know, I asked you what year did Xbox Live launch? So, going to their competition, what year did PlayStation Network launch? See, here's the thing. Here's what's confusing me. They had some online capabilities with the PS2 in the early days, but I don't think they labeled it as PlayStation Network at the time. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I'm going to say 2006, PS3 final answer. Oh, shit, you are correct. It was 2006. Like I said before, what was confusing me is they, they had online on the PS2. I, I wasn't sure if it was you know actual PSN network or not. Or I think it was just some generic-ass, bare-minimum, bare-bones online you know functionality on there. So, yeah, PS3, that was the next logical step, so... You uh, you did pretty good, Mike. I mean, overall, I gave you some tough ones in there, and you got like half of them right, so not too bad. Can you look up something for me real quick? Yeah, sure. What do you want? What is Bethesda's best-selling game, you know, <laughs> like retail price? Is it Skyrim? Mike's going to be dreaming about this all night. Like, oh. so, I'm going to count this one as, as a, I got it right, if it is. Let me try to find the article where I originally... Um... Okay, yes. Not not taking into account, so Fallout Shelter is number one. That's 150 million downloads. Yeah. Number two is the Elder Scrolls Blades, another free to play game, 120 million. Number three is Skyrim at 30 million. There we go. There's the real answer. There we go. I got it. We'll, we'll see who's right. Okay. So it was was the way I worded the question was. What is Bethesda's highest selling game, right? Okay, so who is right? But that, Mike you don't with Skyrim. sell Fallout Shelter, though. Like, you buy stuff in it. Yes, you buy. See, if this question was, what is their best downloaded game? Like, what is their number one downloaded game? Yeah, then it would be Fallout Shelter. You guys see what I'm trying to say? Come on. I get, I get, what, I get what you're saying, but we'll, we'll put it to the audience. We'll see what they have to say about <laughs> this. It, we, we've got some controversy here on Boundless Gamers. Are you on Team Mike or Team Jacques? Type either a Team Jacques or Team Mike in the comments, and this will decide the who's the actual in the right. We have to take this to court. We have, we need a jury. I'm going to sue the shit out of you for this. Well, you're not going to be getting much money because I don't have very much money. So, going to get your cat. That's it. Cat's mine now. No, let's hear. Let's do this. Okay. So whoever is voted the winner, and it doesn't matter if like you know only Indy votes on this. He'll be the sole judge. If you win. You get to pick a game that I will buy you, but it has to be under 20 bucks. And if if it is decided that I am right, is it fair that you also buy me an under $20 yeah. game? Okay. Yeah, I like this. This is awesome. This is, I, I like where this is going. Yeah. Getting the audience involved. It's in your hands, guys. Who's right? You know, if you need to go back and exa- listen to the exact words that I said, that, that's fair. Go ahead and do that. Say it one more time for them. Okay. And if you need to look up and do some of your own research and look at the stats, please do that. You do use your due diligence. $20 or under game is on the line. Uh, the exact question was, what is Bethesda's highest selling game? They don't sell Fallout Shelter. They sell microtransactions inside the game. So this article or different places that are talking about this if they have fallout shelter as number one they're talking about the downloads so the people hitting the free download free download free download free download i'm looking at the game you actually have to buy so here's here's my argument so 
I say highest selling game. Now, microtransactions, it is free to play. I'll give you that, Fallout Shelter. But the microtransactions within it are still a part of the game, and they're counted towards how much that the game sells within the game. You know, you can interpret that how you want. I thought that might confuse you. That's why I asked that question, because I thought, yeah, you would probably say Skyrim. But we will leave it up to the judges, the jury, the executioners. This was a real fun episode. I enjoyed this one. And uh, a lot of things are on the line right now. Team Mike or Team Jacques? You guys got to pick. Yeah, this was a really fun surprise mechanics on both both of our surprise mechanics. Because with yours, we basically came up with a whole new, uh, like thing we're going to be doing where the audience gets to choose games for us and we get to choose games for each other. And then with this, we actually have a little bit of a kerfuffle, a little bit of a controversy going on where the audience also gets to be involved and decide the winner. If I lose and everybody goes with you, I'll get you something on Xbox One. I'll gift it to you. You know, the digital gift. I'll send you a digital game on there. Anything, 20 or under, pick whatever the hell you want. Okay, that sounds fair. Likewise for uh, from me to you. All right, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> you have to, we have to stick to it. All right, well, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode, um, unless there's anything else you wanted to add. Not really. I think we should just end it on a good note. Why, why am I going to drag it on for another, like, 10, 15 minutes? Like, I mean, we could, but I think the listeners want to go do something else now, so, <laughs> so probably got a queue of uh podcasts other podcast shows they want to listen to so they're they're probably saying okay come on guys wrap it up we need to tuck you into bed mike before you fall asleep live on the podcast i drank a lot of powerade before this episode so you're not hearing zombie mike like in the last episode towards the end you may have heard my voice dip that's because it was really late at night and i didn't have my sugar drink with me we record really late, so we kind of were uh, constrained by time, and we're on a clock before Mike, his brain just totally dies by like one thirty a.m. One thirty, so. two a.m. I'm dead. It's pretty much like the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves. Like Mike's brain is the bus. Like <laughs> if we get past a certain time, it's like his brain just explodes. So, so yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> if uh, you would like to check us out on social media, go to at Boundless Gamers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also, we would appreciate if you would subscribe. We need subscribers. We're really trying to build up our subscri- subscriber base. So I'm already pretty happy, though, for like a, you know only having a few episodes. I, I'm really proud and uh, satisfied with how many people are listening so far. It's good for me. So yeah, do that. And um, yeah, I believe that is all. This has been the Boundless Gamers Podcast. I'm Jacques. And I'm Mike. Yes, you got it. I did. I did it. You nailed your your cue. We're making progress, guys. People are like, what are they talking about? Listen to it. Was it episode two or something? I don't remember. Point is, yeah, the clock's running, man. We got like five minutes before this bus explodes. So, all right, guys, we will see you next episode. Take care.